finally done with WandaVision, and it's time to let the past die. We are one with the Force, and the Force is with us as we talk about the upcoming slate of Star Wars content and show off our Star Wars smarts on episode 25 of Krypton 2 Alderaan. Welcome, everyone, to Krypton to Alderaan. This next part's going to be interactive, everyone, okay? (laughs) Did you ever hear the tragedy of Krypton to Alderaan, the podcast? (laughs) It's interactive. (laughs) No. No? You're supposed to say no. Oh, no. Okay. I thought not. It's the story of a podcast that talks all about nerdy pop culture (laughs) stuff, but it's mostly Star Wars. (laughs) Is it possible to learn this podcast? (laughs) Hosted by Joey. That's me. Hello. And also Royce. Hello. And Robin. Hello. And Dr. Lorelai. Hello. And to learn more of the tragedy of Krypton Alderaan, the podcast, reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at Krypton Alderaan or send us an email at Krypton Alderaan at gmail.com. Okay. (laughs) There we go. First things first. Everyone, let's talk a little bit about Hashtag stop Asian hate because of a terrible, a very terrible shooting and other extreme violence committed against Asian Americans that's recently been covered by the media. It seems like there is a recent increase in anti-Asian racism, and that's definitely not the case. There's certainly an increase in the discussion, but not the racism. And overwhelmingly, The Asian and Asian-American community have said that Asian stories are just not getting, just don't get picked up and reported by non-Asian news sources. And that because of that, they feel very invisible and silenced. So we can all do our part to stand up against anti-Asian racism and, and do our part to stop Asian hate, but to also make the Asian community feel seen and heard. So we can uplift Asian voices, share posts on social media, share Asian and Asian American posts on social media, and very importantly, reach out to anyone you know in those communities. Check in, ask how they're doing, make them feel seen and heard. And of course, as always, if you see something, say something. Complacency and silence are just as bad as the violent offensives. So you could find and donate to hashtag stop Asian hate and anti-Asian racism, anti-anti Asian racism causes. I recommend doing that. We will, I can post if some resources and some information in the show notes and on Twitter. But it's important that we all do our part. It's really up to everybody. So that's that. That's my spiel about that. So WTF is up with all of you here with me right now. What have we all been up to? Our favorite question. <laughs> Who wants to? Royce? <laughs> I always got to go first. Lorelai? Uh, I can go first. Go for it. So, Joey and I started Doctor Who, mm. which, um, I mean, I think we all know that I am probably a little bit low on my nerd cred. <laughs> so, hopefully this will help. But, yeah, we started, well, first Joey wanted to start with, I don't even know what season it is, the Matt Smith seasons. Mm -hmm. One? Are there one or two? I don't know. They count by doctor, not by season. Right. Number 11. Number 11. But that's kind of iffy, but we'll get to that down the road. Then we were instructed that we were wrong 
Well, so we <clears throat> decided to go back and start from the beginning of the reboot. Yes. So we started with the ninth Doctor. So far, it's very fun. It's just like fun and quirky, and they like get up to hijinks and solve mysteries. And who doesn't love some hijinks and mysteries? I really, really love Doctor Who. I really love. She really Doctor does. Who I didn't know how much until very recently. Yeah. So you learn something new every day. <laughs> We've been in the same room for a year now. Yep. Here we are in our own TARDIS, <laughs> escaping space and time together. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I love that show. So that's what. Are I'm either of you? I don't think I've ever seen one. Hmm. I tried. You might and like. I couldn't it. do it. Oh, yeah. you couldn't? It seems like a high mountain to climb. That's... There's just so much of it at this point. It's one of those, it's very daunting at yeah. this point because there's just so much of it. But it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Who's next? We'll take your word for it. Robin. Oh, no. Uh... What's new on 2020? 2020 has not been good. I didn't, I didn't really <laughs> like this week that I don't remember last week's. Huh. Great review, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> they, they haven't been as good lately. Like, we got really into them when they started doing kind of like, I want to say like 80s and 90s kind of like flashback stories. And those were really interesting. And then they've done a few like, almost like unsolved murder kind of things. But lately they've been almost like hashing together segments from old news stories. And like the one the other night, a couple nights ago, was a lot of like footage from old episodes of like 2020 or something that they've already aired and they were just kind of like piecing it together and adding on like a little bit of new information at the end but it right. wasn't super interesting well, it's what's interesting about 2020 is how they actually put it together because they definitely are like hey let's reach out to every true crime podcast and let's see if they'll let us use some of their content and we'll repurpose it huh. and they like kind of do well it's, it's like a like a super cut of all the information on like a case but lots of people are trying to solve it or report on it. So it's not only right. ABC reporting, it's like this like super cut of stories. I like it. Well, okay, I don't like it. It makes me real. It boils my blood, man. I'm always like, this motherfucker, man, can you believe what he did? And he's getting away with it. Well, I mean, I like it a lot. Just I feel like the past probably month or so, it hasn't been as interesting. It wasn't anything that I was like, Ooh, I wonder what's going to happen. It was like, uh, so they're they're dead, right? That's why we're talking about it. This person's dead. But there there have been a couple where they leave you kind of on the edge of your seat the whole time. And you're like, they might not be dead. They might end this by saying like they found the person. That is the hardest part. You're like, man, I really hope they found that poor girl. And then, mm -hmm. of course, that's like rarely the case. There's only been a couple, at least recently, where that's been the case that it turned out to be a semi-happy ending. But then the one they did that with, they started off almost at the very beginning interviewing the person who was still alive. So it wasn't even like a captivating mystery. It was just like her talking the whole time, basically about like her ordeal. But they could have left her. You don't her, know the timeline, though. But they could have left her for the last like half an hour of the episode. You would have been they like, really oh, wanted to get you. Nice. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. True. Well, sorry, Robin. Maybe next week will be a more exciting true crime story for I, you. I'm crossing my you know, fingers. <laughs> it's it's like good that it's not good, right? Like the idea that maybe they're running out of murderers to report on or that cold would be cases nice. or yeah. stuff. Obviously, that's not the case, but maybe someday we won't need 2020 anymore. That would be great. The funny thing is it goes from Shark Tank to 2020. So you watch <laughs> this like follow your dreams and start a business to like 
she was murdered and buried in a garbage dump. Like, okay, <laughs> great. This is wonderful. Yeah. Total polar opposite. Anyway. Do you, have, do you have a thing, though, Robin, besides not liking 2020? I do. I feel like it might be Royce's thing, but yeah, I'm not sure. It is my thing. You know what? I love you. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength here. Have a have a couple's thing. Yeah. We have a couple's thing. <laughs> I what I wonder if it is the same thing. My thing is we've started rewatching Mad, Mad Men. Men. <laughs> 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 well, for me it's rewatching. For you it's watching for the first time for the most part. Yeah, I've never really seen it. Yeah. So I think we're I want to say a quarter to halfway through season two. We started a few weeks ago. We're doing a soft binge. Yeah, like two or three soft episodes binge. a day. Soft <laughs> you know, some people are like, I'm just going to watch this all weekend, like 24 episodes in a row. Like that's not yeah, been, been the case. That. It's like a I'm going to make a note here to make another another sect of our podcast, another group of mini episodes called Soft Binge. <laughs> <laughs> Where we very slowly talk about what we've been watching over the course of <laughs> yeah. five to ten years. 2020, uh, Mad Men, Breaking Bad. <laughs> so what's so good about Mad Men anyway? Never heard of it. You're going to let me take this away? Yeah, I don't want to steal your whole thing. I mean, it doesn't fall into like our nerdum umbrella. I guess 2020 doesn't either. But Hey, we could all be nerds about anything. Yeah, I like the whole advertising side of it because I like marketing and stuff like that. It's funny to see them talk about it in their like 1960s attitude. It's 1960s, right? Yeah, well, late 50s, early 60s. It definitely makes me want to be a copywriter. They make it really, really appealing. Really? Yeah, plus, you know, they're constantly drinking, so. Yeah, I don't know if that correlates today, but that is the other appeal of the show, I think, is like you are... You want to vicariously be the man that's drinking all day and he's partying and he has like very little repercussion, even though he's kind of a bad See, guy. That's exactly why I don't have any desire to watch that show. Yeah. I like, don't want to watch a thing with a successful, rich, white guy like that who, based on what I know about the show, there's a lot of sexism involved and yeah. stuff like that. And I just don't need to watch a fake show about that. <laughs> Because it just seems like there's so much real world stuff like that. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because this this would have been like 2007 or 8, I'm guessing, when this 2007 started. 2007 through 2015. Yeah, like I don't think it would air today in the same manner because it glorifies that stuff so much. Even though mm -hmm. it also kind of like peels back the curtain at the same time. You know, it's clearly like you can watch it and know that they're being D-bags. Right. But yeah, I could see you probably not enjoying it, Joe, because they're like, Let's get drunk and slap women on their behinds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they also have, you know, some female characters, like they have Peggy, who, you know, they have the women who kind of break out of that role and they be, instead of being the secretary, they become a copywriter. And like, I know everything that happens with it, so I don't want to reveal too much, but they do have characters who kind of like advance throughout the course of the show. I kind of, is that Elizabeth? Elizabeth Moss? Yeah. Moth? Moss? Moss. 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 Her character. Moss. I kind of like, I didn't used to like her, but she plays that role of the like underdog woman really well on that show. And then also on Handmaid's Tale as well. I yeah. Like, I like her. She's a badass. And her character progresses throughout the like seven or so seasons of the show. And she eventually becomes like a pretty big deal, like equivalent to the men in the show, which is part mm -hmm. of what's so cool about it. She definitely Agreed. becomes very interesting. Well, I haven't seen that far, but so far I I agree. Yeah, I think you're gonna like the rest of it. All right, let's go soft binge. <laughs> soft binge. Soft binge. <laughs> that counts as my thing. 
Great. <laughs> Two things in one. Two things in one thing. Okay, so what, what's your thing? My thing. What's your thing, Joe? Thanks for teeing <laughs> thanks for teeing that up for me, Royce. I tried. My thing is going to be a thing we're all going to talk about. Listen, we've all watched the first two episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm. What do we all think about it? Let's go around the room. (laughs) I am enjoying it. I know it's going to be a a conversation point because I really liked WandaVision and and obviously some of us didn't. But um, I do have some problems with it. Some things I'm enjoying a little bit less about it. Uh, But yesterday we watched the second episode and I really I liked the second episode a lot more than I liked the first episode, and I think that's the trajectory of a movie, right? You start off a little bit. There's like a bell curve to it. Or maybe just a straight shot and a climax or whatever. Yeah. I know that the MCU and the Avengers movies have taken a lot of liberties with this so far, but th- like it just starts off with Falcon killing a bunch of guys. Like he just knocks guys out of planes, blows up hell. There's ju- he just kills a bunch of people. And it's just kind of weird to see. You know, he's like the next Captain America and he's just slaughtering bad guys. Or is he? I think he is, yeah. (laughs) Another kind of weird thing from the first episode is he, like, flies up to the plane and they, like, spot him, right? He's, like, hanging on the plane and he looks in the plane windshield, whatever you call that, and then he gets spotted, but then he falls back and uses Red Wing to do the inspection. It's like, why didn't you just do that in the first place? Yeah, that's not how movies work. And I'm a huge advocate for, like, normalizing therapy. I just don't like the way they're going about doing it. It's like the (laughs) stereotypical, I don't need therapy, I'm a soldier kind of thing. And it's just, I just don't really like that. But anyway, what did everyone else think of the show? Robin, how are you liking it? I love it, minus what you mentioned about the the therapy. I, I think that whole thing could just not be there and the show would be totally fine. And it, it kind of seems like based on the second episode, they might just be doing away with her, which would be awesome because she's very annoying. I would love for that to be a part of the show because they've suffered so much trauma. Not only like we talked a lot about Wanda's trauma and her uh, her reaction to that trauma. Bucky and Sam are two totally different characters who suffered the same trauma and then lost their best friend. And on top of that, Cap gave the shield to Sam, so it'd be interesting to deal with Bucky. I think they're getting into this a little bit, but it'd be interesting to deal with Bucky's reaction to that. Like, he doesn't think he deserves it, but he was friends with Cap for a hundred years, more or less, you know? I I really like the idea of, you suffered this trauma, let's go to therapy, because that's what should happen, but I just don't like the, we don't need this, we're busy, we've got stuff to do, I can handle it, blah, 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 kind of macho man thing. I just think it's 2021, we don't need that anymore. Just do the therapy thing. If you're going to put it in there, put it in there and and sort of normalize it, you know? What else? You got anything? <laughs> sorry, Robin, I kind of <laughs> took over that a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm very passionate about that, though. Do you what else? You got anything else to say about it? Yeah, Robin was the most excited. <laughs> yeah, about that's this show. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I, I still wish they didn't. They could do without, in my opinion, without the whole therapy aspect. They could like have Sam and Bucky talking to each other about it and kind of like working it out. And you know, they could talk about their feelings without a therapist. I think that would be much more interesting, in my opinion, especially since they currently seem to not really like each other and not really be getting along. I think that would be great for the storyline but overall Mm -hmm. i love it i think it's eight 
billion times better than WandaVision. I'm very sure. excited. Uh, I kind of wish they released them all at the same time so I could just sit there for like four soft hours. Binge and, it. Is that a soft binge if you watch the entire that's series? A no, that's binge. a hard binge. Yeah. That's a hard, <laughs> hard binge. Real right binge. There. Yeah, that's a real binge. We're currently soft binging because we have to wait a week between. Mm. But yeah, I wish they released it all at once. And I this is actually a show I think I would watch multiple times because so far I think it's awesome. Yeah. Well, this one was meant to be a movie, right? Yeah. It does seem like they might have added stuff or tweaked, changed. I I haven't I haven't done my due diligence here, but it does seem like that they tweaked stuff or added stuff to make it feel more like a show. But it was originally supposed to be a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably why it's so awesome. My opinion. <laughs> I, it has that trajectory of like, like you said, Joe, it starts off like super exciting and it's going to have beats to it, but they've extended it out a little bit. Like some scenes you could tell, like they're going to go from one like scene to another, but they inserted like an extra little like time lapse in between sort of thing yeah. to like get 40 minutes of an episode yep. out of it. A lot of these scenes probably would have been cut for time if they were right. limited to a two hour movie. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a director's cut. It makes that yeah. makes a lot of sense. And you could have like a little more character building. Man, I like the therapy stuff. Not the the dual therapy that they did in the second episode. I think that seems like what you guys are hitting on when they both were in therapy. That's kind of corny. I loved the very first episode though, building on Falcon being like, I gotta get a loan. And like, we can't give you a loan because you don't yeah. you didn't exist for five years, which I can personally relate to that very story. So I was feeling it. And I think it was also very timely, like in the age that we're living in with COVID-19 and not everybody having the most easy time in the world. I thought that that struggle is like probably super relatable to a lot of people in general. Mm -hmm. And then the therapy stuff is great, too, because Winter Soldier is like messed up from being yeah. a killer. Like he has problems. So, of course, he's got to deal with that. I thought in comparison to Wanda that. Falcon and Winter Soldier did a great job of setting up those two characters and why you may or may not like identify with one or the other or both. I was in immediately. I was like, yeah, I care. In the therapy scene, they like loomed on the therapist's head and they loomed on uh, the Winter Soldier's head for like a little bit too long in a couple scenes, but you got to see like their facial expressions. And I was like, I get it. I get why this yeah. dude's broken and he wants to fix his life. Total polar opposite of Wanda where I was like, you're just miserable and now we're in a sitcom, but it's, we don't, well, we don't, or no, we didn't even know that at the beginning of Wanda. I was like confused. Whereas Falcon, they set it up because it's supposed to be a movie. Movies aren't good when they confuse you, you know? So anyway, we don't need to go down that path, but I think it makes so much more sense than WandaVision. I'm enjoying the run. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say about that. Maybe a couple problems like Joe said, but not enough to really like, say I don't like it, everything's going to have problems, but I'm enjoying it overall. I have so much to say about the comparison to WandaVision, but I'm not going to for time's sake. Lorelai, what did you think of, how, what do you think of Falcon and the Winter Soldier so Well, far? Joey, um, I, I mean, I thought it was like, you know, a return to the MCU. normal Marvel, like sort of buddy, buddy, shoot him up, whatever action movie. Yeah. And, you know, the, I think, Royce is right that it's very different because we know the main conflict of the whole show. You know, at the closing scene of the first episode, we know, oh, okay, this is going to be the main the main part of the show is that we have this other Captain America. 
So, you know, it's just kind of fun and lighthearted and like, I mean, it's not totally lighthearted. It but has the the breaks of has, comedy and whatnot. Yeah, it has some comedy. It still has a little depth. People are going to love it. I like it. It's yeah. fun to watch. I think it's, it's nice to not be confused. But like, <laughs> I, 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 I feel like WandaVision was a little bit, it was like more like art. Like not everybody's sure. going to like it, you know? Right. But some people are really going to love it. It's not for everybody. But this is like they're like, oh yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna make a show that everybody's gonna want to watch, mm-hmm. regardless if they care about these characters because they're kind of minor characters from the MCU in the first place. Well, you have to transition them to be non-minor characters anymore because they're the next. They're the next. They're phase. the next Avengers. You yeah. Know, Yo, I don't believe that they like wouldn't like each other though. I feel like they would be best friends, especially having lost like their collective best friends. Every scene yeah. where they're like. You can't come with me. Well, I'm coming anyway. Well, I don't like yeah. you, though. Like, I don't believe yeah. any of that, but... Well, yeah. Well, I think that's... I really love that aspect of, like, the couples therapy session. Like, they should be friends, but they're not. And maybe Bucky's a little bit heartbroken that Cap gave Sam the shield and not him and and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where that goes. I also like the deeper aspects of the show. Like... Like I said, I think WandaVision is setting this up so that these properties have more range. And they're the MCU, up until this point, has been pretty whitewashed. And in the second episode, they really went into some racial stuff that yeah. I think we'll get more the, of. Like is, racial profiling and the copying. Like, is oh, he yeah. bothering you? Yeah, it's exactly. Like and the black there. super soldier that no one's ever heard of. You know, all yeah. that kind of stuff that I think will have an impact, sort of a broader, broader message. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for all that. But we have to move on. We'll come back to Winter Soldier when it's over. Okay. Yeah. I will say that I put a poll on Twitter asking what we should talk about on the show, much (laughs) like Robin and I discussed in our mini episode. Nine people voted in the poll, which is a record for us. Should put in the, like, cheer. Yeah, so excited, nine people. Hey, people listening, please tell your friends about our show so that more than nine people vote in our polls. What do we all like more, Marvel or Star Wars? Right answers only. What do you like more? What do you like more, Royce? <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> Great. Robin? <laughs> Marvel? No, wrong answer. Lorelai? <laughs> okay, what if I have a more detailed... Okay, none of you... You don't like Star Wars, or You love Star Wars. Correct. Ooh, good answer, Lorelai. strongly dislike it. You're very angry about it 95% of the time. So... I like Marvel better. Mm. Wow. One time, this is an aside that Royce can cut, but one time in college, one of our roommates asked Royce if he'd like some candy, and Royce said, no, I'd love some. (laughs) And that's how I feel about Star Wars. Do you like Star Wars? No. I love it. Anyway. um, I think he started walking away with the candy at that point, too. He's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like, no, really, come back. I I actually actually love it. So, with that being said, uh, I guess half of us admitting that we like Star Wars more than Marvel. Harkening back to our very first episode, I'm Woo. bringing back Star Wars Roundtable. At Disney Investor Day, we haven't talked about at Disney Investor Day in December. Kathleen Kennedy announced a lot of the, basically the current slate of Star Wars projects, which includes... What will be Disney Plus series, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, The Book of Boba Fett, which was actually announced like two days later 
at the end of The Mandalorian. Uh, Andor, Acolyte, Rangers of the New Republic, Lando, The Bad Batch, Star Wars, A Droid Story, (laughs) and Star Wars Visions. And then as far as movies goes, it was Rogue Squadron, which will be directed by Patty Jenkins, and then Taika Waititi's unnamed Star Wars movie. And all of that Star Wars content doesn't even cover the comic books and video games and and books like the High Republic stuff that we're getting now. So we're getting so much Star Wars stuff. So I randomly picked a few of these announcements for us to talk about and show off our Star Wars smarts. Was it random? It was pretty... Well, I only picked... Here's... That's a great question, no, Royce. You Here's what I've three did. three that picked, you want to talk about. No, I've picked, I've picked three that I think three of us are each excited about, and then one of us is the wild card for all of them. Lorelai, you're the wild card. <laughs> well, we got two Marvel fans here, Joe, so... Yeah. I, I know which one Robin's most excited about, and I'm pretty sure I know which one Royce is most excited about, and I'm pretty sure I know which one I'm most excited about, so you're the wild card, which adds this, like, fun little... Oh, what? Lorelai you did there. most yeah. excited about. I know, I'm sure all of our listeners are wondering. <laughs> <laughs> What's the doctor's opinion? Oh, God. Um, so let's start with Obi-Wan. Probably being released in 2022. I think they, well, they started filming. They're filming now. Ewan McGregor is Obi-Wan. It takes place 10 years after Order 66. Hayden Christensen will return as Anakin slash Vader. Indria Varma was recently cast. She's from Game of Thrones. She played Pedro Pascal's wife in Game of Thrones. I don't remember their characters, but she was pretty great. I, I mean, she lasted longer than him, obviously. She was a pretty great character. And it's directed by Deborah Chow, who's done a couple of episodes of The Mandalorian. So this is the one that I would say I'm most excited for. Now, we did an episode a while ago, and I think we talked about maybe how much we're not, we weren't excited for this. But I'm going to say something a little controversial to the group in that WandaVision has gotten me excited for Obi-Wan. I think that the idea that WandaVision created of making a, a property that extends past the the footprint of the sort of action-adventure umbrella of the property, we can get them extending out like Obi-Wan can become, there's some maybe some action-adventure, but it can be more of like an emotional experiment type thing. And we might be getting Obi-Wan dealing with PTSD from the war and the betrayal of the clone troopers that he fought alongside for so many years, the betrayal of his best friend and brother and Padawan, the death of his master right in front of him, all that stuff, the death of his his love, which happens in the Clone Wars, so I might be the only one of this group who I has saw seen that, that one. Great. <laughs> so dealing with all that in a very emotional way, I think could be a very sort of powerful and watchable thing for me. So let's go around our little Star Wars roundtable. Lorelai, how do you feel about Obi-Wan, the series? Got anything to say? I shouldn't have started with you. Maybe not. I mean, (laughs) I probably feel similarly to all the other Star Wars (laughs) series that are about to come out. Okay. Um, Wild card. Wild card. Lorelai doesn't know very much about Star Wars. Obi-Wan is like the most like... He's a cliche character you would name if it was like yeah. a Jeopardy question, and it's like this guy yeah. was on Star Wars. Like, who is he's <laughs> who yeah. was on Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> he 
fought in the Star Wars. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't like. I don't really have any expectations, but I guess I also generally have the least. I'm sorry I put you on the spot. Okay. I should have went to you after everyone else spoke and we so could have I done could the say wild something, card bit. I, but then I could just say, I could say, oh yeah, I totally agree with Robin. That yeah, would yeah. be nice, Joey. So. <laughs> Royce, Royce, what do you think about Obi-Wan? Do you have any like ideas of what you'd like to see and stuff? Man, I mean, there's so much they could screw up. There's so much they could expand <laughs> on and do amazingly. Like, it's a really, tr- like... It's just like with Solo, like you're taking a beloved character and, you know, hopefully you don't fumble the ball, but it's Mm -hmm. Ewan McGregor. And I thought he did a great job with Obi-Wan already having to live up to Alec Guinness's portrayal, you know, as a younger version. I thought he's like one of the best part of the prequels. I don't see why he won't do a great job in Hi, Robin. See that face there? And uh, (laughs) side eye. That was straight on eye. There was no side. (laughs) I don't see why he's not going to do a great job with it. Like, regardless of the material they give him, he's going to, like, the prequels, people kind of fall left or right of those as well. But, like, he still is a great character, even with some of the clunky dialogue and plot lines and whatever. So I think that will still hold true. If you liked Obi-Wan in the prequels, you'll probably like him in this stupid side story TV show. But man, to say like, what do I want? I liked how you phrased some of the slower, like, how is he feeling? How you doing, Obi-Wan? You know, after going through everything Joey brought up, this is going to be kind of hard, man. Like I could definitely see him sitting around a campfire. You know, I think we made a joke about him, like at the bar, like, drink it a little bit too much, trying to, like, cure what ails him. Right. I don't know what they do, though, like, what the story is. Also, that Hayden Christensen is coming back. I think it's just really interesting in general that they're bringing these prequel people in. Like, they haven't done anything in the Star Wars universe. Like, those characters have done things and like, the Clone Wars and whatnot, but, like, not that portrayal of them with those actors. So I think that's, like, the biggest, like, you want to say wild card, like, bringing back those legacy actors into the scene like who knows like Anakin or Darth Vader actually being Hayden Christensen and thinking about it being directly after Revenge of the Sith not Darth Vader in like the original series where you're like he's just a bad guy you know like coming right off of all that character building of him falling to the dark side losing his wife and I think if they take this kind of like slow approach like it doesn't have to be the beginning of Falcon and the Winter Soldier where they kill a million guys like let's build some character you know Let's dive in because we already know so much about him. So you can yeah. take time to I want to see him like meditating and doing some like Jedi shit and getting like getting to know him. You know, it would be neat to see him commune with Qui-Gon and Yoda and interact with those people to deal with his trauma. Well, because Yoda said he has training for him. So, right. Isn't that the and line? Yeah. And because Yoda has has seen and talked to Qui-Gon's force ghost. So at the end of the Clone Wars, well, that's not necessarily true anymore. At the end of season six of the Clone Wars, Yoda is communing with Qui-Gon Jinn. And then at the end of Revenge of the Sith, is it is it at the end of Revenge of the Sith where Yoda's like, teach you to talk to your old master, I can? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's going to that. be a cliffhanger episode when they show a force ghost and you're like, Who's the Force Ghost? And that's going to be the can title imagine, of everyone's YouTube video that week, even though it'll obviously be Qui-Gon. Can you imagine they get Liam Neeson back? That'd be so cool. Dude, I, that's how opinion. you do it if you want to get people tweeting and clicking, for sure. Yeah. 
instead of being like, it's going to be Obi-Wan versus Obi-Wan in the last episode. Well, come on. All right, moving on. <laughs> Robin, what do you think? Do you Are you looking forward to Obi-Wan? What, if you, what would you like to see? I would like to see it not air. Is yeah, that an answer? <laughs> you don't want to know any more? No, I don't. I watched all of the prequel movies all the way through once. I don't ever want to see anything to do with them ever again. I did not enjoy any of the characters. I'm I'm disappointed. Do you like Ewan McGregor? No. Uh, so I'm disappointed they're using him. <laughs> I'm disappointed they're using Hayden Christensen. It definitely was like, these movies are trash. Please leave them there. But Star Wars really wants money. So Obi-Wan, subtitle, please give us your money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I do. I think it's a way for them to make money. But I also think they're expanding their their definition of of content. Everyone is always making this stuff to make money, but they also want to tell a good story. And the people in charge, like Deborah Chow and Dave Filoni and John Favreau, they like Star Wars and they want to tell a good Star Wars story. And so that's where it comes from. Like George Lucas invented the thing. He wanted to tell a good Star Wars story. Some people like it and some people don't. But as long as you can make money and are genuine in wanting to tell a good story, I think that that's the perfect confluence. That's that's how you're going to continue, how they're going to continue to make this content. I don't think you would have got Hayden Christensen or Ewan McGregor on board if they didn't see a script that was like, okay, this is pretty good. I don't know if it's like waving money at them to get the thing in motion. Maybe it is. I don't know. But like, there was already so much prequel hate. I couldn't imagine like being Hayden Christensen and being like, you want me back in Star Wars, you know, and you're, this is what you're going to put me in. Like, even if you're going to give me a million dollars, like I don't want to go down that route again. So I imagine that they will take care with it. And they've probably learned a lot after having kind of not done a great job with the sequels, my humble opinion only, but like they could have done a better job taking care of the universe and <sighs> with Solo and Rogue One as well, even though there's maybe parts of those that are okay. But like overall, like they moved a little too quick. I'm with you, Robin. They want to make a buck and that's not always great for art. But I think they learned their lesson that they burned enough people that they put everything on pause for a number of years. So mm -hmm. Obi-Wan's not the first thing they're shooting from the hip. They've kind of like learned that they need to back up and aim and then fire. It's a, Han, it's a real Han or Greedo shot first situation here. So I have more, I have a couple more points to make. Do you want to ask your question first or do you want to wait until- I'm going to ask my question, which okay. is, are they going to be de-aged the whole no. time? No, no, I don't think they need to but be. But what if they are? No, they don't need to be because it's Ewan McGregor after, 10 years after. When did the- Well, it doesn't, I mean, it I doesn't really, you could do it all. But I guess Anakin these... is either going to be Vader or Crispy. So like, well, these <laughs> Favreau, Filoni, Deborah Chow, the whole Mandalorian team used practical effects and and used this new technology, this new technology backdrop to do the scenery effects and stuff. So I don't think they're about they're all about the sort of CGI de aging technology type thing. I also I mean, they were in that last episode of the Mandalorian. Well, okay, you're right. You're absolutely. That's a, that's that's 
That's like we were talking drop. about how they like, you know, they now want like any excuse to use it. Yeah. This is a great excuse to use well, it. Well, they might for other characters, I could see if they want to bring back Grand Moff Tarkin or something. Like if he makes a cameo for some reason, they're going to need to do another CG Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah. I don't think they'd put someone in that position for the whole series. And I do think but it's, wouldn't that be funny though? No, because I want it to be good. I really do want it to be good. I've, I've Robin done a, and I are on the same page. I've done a complete 180 on this series. I do think it's interesting that they they have cast Hayden Christensen to play to be this role because he doesn't really need to be there if he's actually Vader. They're, they don't now. It, like in A New Hope, they don't they don't exclusively say, "I haven't seen you since." Mustafar since the end of the Clone Wars, since Order 66. So they might have met in between, but I think it would be very impactful, very emotional if Obi-Wan is seeing Anakin in visions or in like his PTSD from everything I've described earlier. And that's the way they're interacting. And not necessarily like Obi-Wan and Vader come head-to-head between, you know, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. I don't know if I necessarily want that. It doesn't feel like I want that right now. Maybe if that happens, they'll do a good job. But I would be much more into it if it's Obi-Wan seeing visions of Anakin as dealing with his trauma. There's also a moment in the Darth Vader comics where Darth Vader, in a vision goes to Obi-Wan and asks for help, and it's like this what-if-Vader regretted his actions and turned good kind of thing. And it happens for a split second in the comic books, but that would be such an incredible thing to tell from Obi-Wan's perspective. Like, what if they were both thinking that because they're connected? What if they were both thinking that at the same time? And it's one of those things where I, you wouldn't have to have read the comic books for that to be impactful. It would still be impactful in the show, obviously. But if you did read the comic books and saw that, you would be so connected to it. I think that would be really incredible. And in Rebels, when Ahsoka realizes that Vader is Anakin, it is such a like emotional goosebump moment in Star Wars that if that happens in the Obi-Wan show with how close they were, I think that would be another incredible moment. At the end of Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan doesn't necessarily know that Anakin becomes Vader. Obi-Wan might think that Anakin died on Mustafar, and then between then and A New Hope, he hears rumblings of Darth Vader carrying out the Emperor's will. Yeah, and he seems to know exactly who he is when he steps on the Death Star. So yeah, exactly. He's figure so it if, out. If there's that moment where Obi-Wan has the realization that his brother, in his own words, his brother, is so corrupted that he's become this monster. If there's that moment in the show that sort of tops everything else that's happened to Obi-Wan up until that point, I just think that's an incredible moment in Star Wars storytelling that I will be a very I will be very emotionally invested in. <sighs> I really am looking forward to this show and I owe it all to WandaVision. Anyone else have anything to say about Obi-Wan before we go into the next thing? Do you know what episodes Deborah Chow did for Mandalorian? So she directed Chapter 3, The Sin, which was the one where the Mandalorian brings Baby Yoda to the client and Dr. Pershing takes him. And, and there's, I'm pretty sure there's the big battle at 
fight at the end. It's the one where all the Mandalorians show up at the end? Pretty sure that's it. So she directed that one, and then she directed Chapter 7, The Reckoning. So two good action-y episodes. Let's move on. Okay, so the next one I have on our list to talk about is Andor, which will probably also come out in 2022. This one I picked because I think it would be the one Royce is most excited about. Huh. Takes place five years after, or, sorry, (laughs) he'd be dead five (laughs) years before Rogue One. So the very early days of the rebellion. It's a spy mission action-y show. And... My third little note here is that there is, as of yet, no K2SO. How can they not have (laughs) K2SO? So I would be excited for it, but as soon as I read that in your little blurb, I was like, are you... So it's Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but we're going to not have the Winter Soldier. Like, what? I don't get it. Cassian and K2SO, like, come on, it's Han Solo and Chewbacca. It's peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) Yeah, you got to have them together. Exactly. (laughs) That's my thought. Um, that being said, well, Royce, I think we just we just pretty much covered what you'd want from it. But is there knowing that there's no KTOSO? Is there anything? I mean, it's uh, is there anything you would like he, to see? He's what kind of a like miserable character when he's introduced in Rogue One. Like he's he kills that other dude, and he's like, "This has to be the way it's got to be." I'm killing you in this dark alley. Sorry, bud. Rebellion for life. And then he's argues with Jin and he's like, I've been in the rebellion since I've been six years old. Like, okay, man, he's, I'm not really inspired by him, but I guess you could see how he got to that point and how, why it means so much to him. Obviously, if you're under pressure and you're rebelling against an evil empire, that would probably turn anybody into a curmudgeon that would kill people in a dark alley when the stormtroopers are coming in and the guy's got a broken arm. The guy was injured. That was it. And he was like, I can't climb out of here. So Cassian's like, I'm gonna just kill you then. He's not really a, a good He's role model in Star Wars. Not a likable character. Yeah, but him and K2SO together, perfect buddy cop, good cop, bad cop sort of thing, even though it's more like bad cop, funny robot, if that's a genre. Classic Star Wars. <laughs> Robin, um, looks like you got yeah. a lot of hot takes. I mean, I would put this equivalent with Obi-Wan. Like, At the same <laughs> level, though? Come on. Yeah, like I yet another movie that I didn't like that I don't think should have been made. And they're they're making the movie without the only redeemable character or they're making the the show or whatever. Like K2SO was the only thing in that movie in the movie that I was like, that's not completely horrible. What about Shurit? Uh, Shurit Imway. No. Oh, I loved him. Yeah, no, I think he's a great character, but I don't think he'd come up in this show. No, no but I would <laughs> I want his side story to be honest. Guardian of the Will? Come on. It's a book. It's a book? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they made it into a book called that. Oh, Guardians of the Wills? Yeah. Man. It's probably a children's book. They'll make it guess. a... And given enough time, they'll have to make a movie out of it or something. I'd love a comic book about Jedi Temple Guards and the aftermath of Order 66 mm-hmm. and what they did. Like, I think a comic book's a great... Um, avenue for that all right so robin's out i do think that k2sl will come up right like it's he's a formal imperial former imperial droid so there's no like it doesn't make sense to put him in episode one but like maybe in the finale or the penultimate episode you have cassian reprogram this imperial droid to help him get out of a sticky situation or something i think that's the best way to do it yeah it's another cliffhanger point they could use have you seen rogue one lorelei 
No. <laughs> you told me I didn't have to. <laughs> well, you didn't. You didn't until right now. <laughs> Wild card. Boop, boop, boop. Wild card. Lauren right. doesn't care because he doesn't know anything about yeah, it. You, so you got to set it up, Joe. Why would you care about it? Why um, would I care? If they... They uh, they retcon. We learned that term a couple of episodes ago. <laughs> a very popular video game in which you steal the Death Star plans, but instead of that, a group of rogues steals the Death Star plans. Jin Erso, daughter of maybe a Jedi, Cassian Andor, child of the Rebellion. Some other guy who says Rogue One in the movie who went crazy for a little bit because that was the plot device, but then he's okay like five minutes later. K2SO. Turdim Way, who's a great character, and his buddy, who I can't remember the name of. Baze he's still the Death Star plans, and then Vader can't get the Death Star plans back. They hand them to a de-aged Leia, but then all of the main characters of the movie die. And what do you none think of, about that? None of them are... <laughs> particularly likable. And they're making a show about it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Five they all before the I like, remember they died uh, and I was like, oh thank God they can't ever make anything else with these characters. But in classic Star Wars style, they're like, we're just gonna go back before prequel. they died. <laughs> yeah. So and you know, <clears throat> with that framing, I'm so excited. We for should Andor. watch it. It's not I I wild card. <laughs> I described it in a very comedic way, but we should watch it. Yeah. Okay. It's not all bad. Uh, there are reports that Obi-Wan will feature in this show, which I think is a little strange, considering in both Rogue One... Well, in Rogue One, Bail Organa's like, I know somebody that could help us, like, at the end of Rogue One, which implies, I think, that he hasn't been in contact with Obi-Wan and that Obi-Wan has had nothing to do with the Rebellion up until that point. And then in A New Hope, obviously, the whole message from Leia to Obi-Wan is so meaningful because no one's been in touch with him for so long. So I think that might muddy the the impactfulness of of A New Hope and, and things beyond if Obi-Wan is, like, consistently in well, Andor. Obi-Wan was hanging out with Bail Organa, like, right before or right after Revenge of the Sith or whatever, right? Like, so yeah. it would make sense that he was like, we should have this secret smoke signal. That but, if anyone's going to be talking, it would be them. But also, in the Ahsoka book, Bail Organa is struggling to put the Rebellion, to sort of get the Rebellion a foothold, and then Ahsoka comes along, and she's the she's the fulcrum. She's the linchpin of sort of starting the Rebellion. So I think it would be great if, if she were in it. Is anybody else from Rogue she, One confirmed to be in it? Uh, not that I know of. And, I mean, uh, Mon Mothma okay. will be in it. She's in it. She's cast. And and a, probably a couple of the other soldiers. But she's the most important person, I think, from Rogue One. I don't know if Bail Organa is in it. Uh, what's his name from the West Wing? Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith. I don't know All right, if they in. But, but then they'd have to do some kind of de-aging thing, right? But um, I don't think he's cast in it, but Mon Mothma's in it. I think it'd be good to bring him in because maybe you could, like, explore Alderaan and other stuff that, like, we haven't really got, you know? If it'd be Bail cool Organa's to see Alderaan. A main character. It'd be cool to see the building of the Rebellion from Alderaan and all that stuff. Yeah. I think it makes more sense for Ahsoka to feature in it than for Obi-Wan to feature in it, but we'll see. So, Royce, are you excited? Did I... Did I... Did I factor that in correctly? I think I'm more excited for Obi-Wan just because that character oh. is like more lovable. 
It, uh, Wild dude, no, card. No K2SO. Um, I am. I was trying to find a good rhyme. Can't find a good rhyme. Not that clever. What about no K2SO? I don't think so. <laughs> All right, there you go, Robin. You're welcome. Let's move on to Taika Waititi's unnamed Star Wars movie scheduled for 2025. We have absolutely oh no God. business talking about this. <laughs> but I think that this could be... I think that this could be the most fun discussion, honestly, because we all love him. I love every movie he's made. Boy, Hunt for the Wilder People, Thor Ragnarok, What We Do in the Shadows, and then the What We Do in the Shadows TV show is so good, so incredibly good. But anyway, we could have the most fun with this, and we could do this in the most like traditionally fandom way of like speculating what could happen, which is a really fun thing and a really like traditionally fan thing to do that I love. I will say that if we speculate now in 2021 and what we say doesn't happen in 2025, we're not going to be pissed off little babies about it. So that's where we're at in this fandom. So many people speculated about WandaVision and then what they wanted didn't happen. And then they got all pissed off. Anyway, that's not going to happen to us. But I also think it's a very fun thing to do to speculate because we know so much about this director. So Taika Waititi is going to direct and co-write. Kristen Wilson Cairns will be the other writer. And she's done 1917, which was an incredible film and won won awards and was up for a lot of awards. I think the war one. And Penny Dreadful, which also which is a really weirdo sci-fi thing that a lot of people like. Robin, do you like that show? I do. I I'm not sure if they made other seasons. I feel like I watched like the one or two seasons they did, and I thought it was awesome. Yeah, they're pretty. It's a pretty highly rated show. So I think they're a really good duo, and they've both done really weird, funky stuff. And so I'd love for us to play around with this. I know Robin, you love Take a Watiti, and so. There's nothing to go on here, but I'd like for us to talk about what movie we would like him to make. So, Robin, based on your Star Wars smarts and your Take with TD smarts, put them together. What Star Wars movie would you like Take with TD to make? I don't know, but I feel like it would be fitting if he made a movie that had sort of a the only title I can come up with is just like droids, and it's just in a movie entirely made of Taika Waititi sassy style droids hanging out with each other there's no people there's no aliens it's just droids traveling the galaxy having a good time and i think it would be great (laughs) do you think he would make a the future of star wars or the past of star wars movie what or i guess what would you like to see his movie set in like post uh skywalker saga or pre-skywalker saga i feel like i would like it to be pre Skywalker saga because I feel like at least in the movie I'm now creating in my head he could easily do something that's like before any of that shit happens and it's maybe before people start being you know friends with droids and shit like that and it could just be droids hanging out with each other I don't know if anyone's ever people. friends with droids they can't go in bars on Tatooine you know anyway that's such friends. that's such a thing because there's such like an anti-droid sentiment in some of the things they can't go to certain places they can't go to parts of yeah dude they can't L3? go to certain buildings or anything the mandalorian doesn't like yeah them. l3 in um in solo it's like droids rights all that kind of stuff well so i'm saying so you make it 
pre all of that, like make it an older story and then it can be droids hanging out with each other because people don't like them and they're hanging out in a droid bar and they have a crew of misfits such as droids and they're going around the galaxy. They're going to get a delivery from the Planet Express. (laughs) Yes, of course, because that's from Star Wars. (laughs) I'm just saying, it sounds a little bit like the planet where all the droids live or robots live. The robot homeworld? Well, Disney bought Is that what it is? I think so. Robot homeworld? Isn't that what it's called? Joey, as our resident Futurama expert? Is it called the robot homeworld? Is that the question I'm answering? (laughs) Yeah, well, there's there's something in Futurama that's, I'm pretty sure, like something homeworld. I might be confusing it with robots, but there is a planet that's all robots where they have to pretend to be robots and then fry peas in an alley and they're like, this one's leaking fluid. That is true. I don't know if it's called the robot homeworld, but I wish I knew because I would like that cred. And and we have the technology to edit and I have the entire world of information at my fingertips, but I'm just going to leave it and we're going to move on. But Disney bought Fox and Fox ran Futurama. So it makes sense to just tie them together. (laughs) Right. So what if this is the movie that brings Futurama (laughs) into the Star Wars universe? What we all want. (laughs) Finally. I'm gonna die. (laughs) Yeah, so they do a live-action bender. It's just a person in a bender costume. All right, all right. I think that's K2SO. I think that's K2SO. Royce, do you have a... Let, make your take a Watiti Star Wars yeah. movie, right? I don't know enough of his material to like know what the cliche thing he would do. We saw Jojo Rabbit and oh, Ragnarok. So, so that's, that's really all I have to base off of. And I guess whatever episodes he directed of Mandalorian. Uh, but I do, like, Robin, you're on the right track that whatever he does must be like left field Star Wars. It's not going to be like they have to blow up the space station. Like, that's been so overplayed. There's no way he's doing something like that. And then obviously they're doing this, like, Rogue Squadron movie. So it's not going to be like a space battle Star Wars movie. Like, yeah. it it should be a something else Star Wars movie. I don't know what. And it, I would love if we couldn't even pinpoint the timeline. Here's what would be cool about Star Wars. You know how you're like, where does this Marvel movie fit in the timeline sort of thing? You don't always know exactly where it lands until they reference a specific event, it would be great if they were just out in the galaxy and you didn't have to worry about before or after the Battle of Yavin or what trilogy yeah, era. Right. If it just felt like Star Wars, that is where Star Wars should go so that it can just be a universe again rather than like a plot line that we need to... F- it's going to be a prequel, sequel, bridging the gap between the two. Like, yeah, f- forget about that. That that ties you into puts you gives in a box. you gives you less leeway yeah so of course maybe it is going to be like just robots or just rancors or whatever <laughs> just rancors <laughs> it's the story of the rancor tamer <laughs> from uh return of the jedi <laughs> yeah what it was it's just called rancor yeah star wars a rancor story i'm down with that no not star not a- wars star wars rancorock <laughs> <laughs> Lorelai, what's our wild card answer? I mean, I th- I feel like you know that this would be the one I'm most excited about because I I love everything that Taika Waititi's done. Yeah. I love the Kiwi humor. I'm like most I'm more familiar with his work than I am with Star Wars, so this is like more exciting for me probably. But I just like I kind of go back to what he did in the Marvel universe, which was he like revolutionized the characters in Thor Ragnarok. Like, Thor became, he, you know, he was, like, kind of gruff and, like, 
you know, whatever. But he, like, got funny. He, like, had way more, like, personality and, like, sparkle to him after that movie. Like, he totally changed the character. That's what Jeff Goldblum calls him. Sparkle! (laughs) Exactly. So, like... He was so much more fun to watch after that movie. He had so much more personality and so much more character. Taika Waititi just brought that to the whole universe. Like, that sort of energy just permeated the rest of the movies. And so I I think I would be excited to see that in Star Wars. You know, like, not... The movies kind of have, like, sort of this flat Star Wars feel in a way. Like, they all kind of feel the same. I think having sort of this injection of more personality might shake things up a bit. But I think you're also right that if it's going to, like, he can't make a movie that's supposed to fit in between two existing movies because then it wouldn't make sense. Like, you know. Do you want him to take a legacy character or just start with a fresh slate of people? I mean, it might be kind of fun to take a legacy, like, make someone more fun. Like, he, like, takes these characters and, you know, they're, these heroes that you're like, oh yeah, they're obviously awesome, but they he makes them someone that you would actually want to hang out with. Yeah, like, I think you, you know? have to have so, at least one legacy so that like the casual fan connects. can come in. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so I think he'll probably do that, but I think he's gonna have to sort of he's gonna do his own thing, and it's gonna be great. I mean, I don't know. He hasn't made a bad movie. He's never made not. a bad movie. So you guys are pumping this one up. It's, I mean, it's just the truth. He's only, you know, I've loved every movie he's made. And like, I'm a bit biased because I lived in New Zealand for a long time. So I like was in New Zealand when these movies came out for the first time. And it's like a whole different culture over there. And the comedy there is very different than it is here. So it's kind of nice also for me personally to just to like have that sort of infusion of Kiwi humor into these sort of very... American, like, oh, we're going to save the planet by blowing up the Death Star. It's like, oh, my God, we've seen that movie 75 times. It's another, so. another Death Star. Another, another, another Death Star. It's made star. out of Death Star tech. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you know, maybe he'll play with that. Maybe he'll make another Death Star movie, but make it, like, totally backwards, and it'll be hilarious. Yeah, so A life star. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I'm most excited about this. I feel like that's not a wild card surprise maybe no i don't think i don't think there is a yeah i don't think there's a a wild card um opinion to be had here because like i said it's silly it's absurd talking about this because it doesn't come out for well and the graphic they put out for it was like the least star warsy graphic i've ever seen in my life it looked like slurm or something like it was very like round and like melting and gooey Mm -hmm. and star wars is very like rigid you know and like yeah it has a certain kind of uh, style guide you have to follow, but they just said it's like Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie, and the font for Star Wars was like totally not different. the Star Wars. Yeah, font. Yeah. yeah. And he must—I don't know if it's like his decision make it look different or whatever, but it looked different. Yeah, I think they're trying to expand. Also, after they announced that, he immediately went on Twitter and was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I better start <laughs> which working." Is, which is very funny, but I do so. Again, yeah, I love him. I everything he's touched, I loved. And there's so many. I, they, I think they want to bring a lot of legend characters into canon, which he's prime for. Something that I love that he does every time. And if you've listened to our podcast up until this point, I think you'll start to understand that I love the emotional aspect of storytelling. And when you tie 
fans into characters like that, I think it's very powerful. What Taika Waititi does every single time is he he has the backdrop of this heartbreaking story that's that's covered, not covered, but it's got a, maybe like a transparent cover of this extremely fun story that you're telling along the way. Boy is an amazing hunt for the wilder people. What an incredible example. Even Thor Ragnarok, it's a this sad heartbreaking story. backstory, yeah. like behind the story story, like you said, Lorelai, he adds so much depth and fun to this character, and it's such an amazing story. Jojo Rabbit is the exact same way. It's just incredible how he does it. And bringing that to Star Wars will be incredible. It, it, no matter what character he's telling that story about, go ahead. What if it's a Jar Jar movie? No. Okay. You're ruining <laughs> you're ruining my very Dude. profound <laughs> Whatever character he does that with dialogue. It's Jar Jar Banks. I think that he could no matter where it is in a timeline, if you take a character Quinlan Voss would be a great character to that too. We know the beginning and the end of his story, but he would be an amazing character to do that with. Anyone though. It doesn't matter. What matters is his ability to tell a story is incredible, and it's so different from anything we've seen. That I would say that the prequels have a little bit of that. If you watch the prequels with those goggles on, and you say, this is a heartbreaking story, I think it's most defined in The Phantom Menace, and then a little bit in, well, not a little bit, but also in Revenge of the Sith, you have this heartbreaking story. The kid leaves his mom. Anakin betrays everyone, all the Jedi, blah, blah, blah. So we have a little bit of that in Star Wars already, but Taiko has the ability to just turn that into something that's incredibly accessible. Man, he's such a good storyteller. I cannot wait. I just want him to take all of that and turn it into stuff. Even with, even with the Mandalorian and uh, IG, uh, IG-11. Yeah. That was a great, such like a heartbreaking thing. Well, and he is IG Eleven, so right? So funny and yeah. fun. He's like the murder droid, and then the babysitter droid, yeah. who then like sacrifices himself at the end. Yeah, that's and just he's incredible. Funny and like kooky, and even what we do in the shadows. I mean, it just goes on and on. I mean, what we do in the shadows is such an absurd thing, but it's like this horrible, not horrible, but this heartbreaking backdrop of like these people. These vampires don't know how to interact with the world and they're all alone even though they're all together and blah, blah, blah. It's just really incredible. So anyway, I'm very excited for that, but we have to wait so long and it might not even happen. Who knows? It could get scrapped. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody else have anything to say? Man, I mean, obviously we're all excited for it. Hopefully it's like kicks off a new era of Star Wars where everything is exciting. Yeah. And there's not a lot of like, man, I hope this doesn't suck kind of thing because it seems like there's still a couple of things. We've only talked about three of the shows. But like we're kind of split on all of them except for this one. So yeah. we need a beacon of hope. I can't believe we have to wait till 2025 to get good I Star know. Wars content. It's so far away. It's we're so silly to, to be talking things. about this right now. It's so silly, but so much fun. And listen, there's so much more we're going to talk about because there was a lot more in, uh, announced at Disney Investor Day. And everyone's going to have to sit around and listen to me talk about the High Republic. And I'll tell you what, the poll that I put on Twitter 
Nine people voted, and it was a little bit in the favor of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but we'll talk about that. But we're also going to talk about Star Wars. I want to talk about Star Wars. It's fun to talk about Star Wars. I'm having fun. Yeah, so much fun. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're going to talk more about Star Wars next time. Is everyone (laughs) ready for the surprise question? Yes. It's surprise question time with Joey. I, I got this question from Twitter. I found it. I don't remember who posted it. So if you're listening, I'm sorry if you asked this and then I stole it from you. I didn't mean to. What is Star Wars? What's that Star Wars moment for all of us? What's that thing that makes you feel something special that makes you a Star Wars fan? Put it into words. You're on the clock. (laughs) Royce. This is easy, dude. It's the music. As soon as the goddamn movie starts and it's like, I can go on. The whole like intro credits is the best fucking intro to anything ever. You cannot name any other movie that starts and you know exactly what the movie is by the music. Maybe you can. I don't know. But that one is pretty freaking iconic. And it's not just the intro. Every single... I'm going to go on another cursing spree here. Every single fucking scene has amazing music. It is worth the little E logo on Apple Podcasts. (laughs) The music is incredible. And it holds up through pretty much all of Star Wars, any Star Wars thing. Even if you listen to the Clone Wars and they take that main theme and they make it a little kind of like goofy cartoony... It's still great. It's so good. It's still great. So take all the music out of Star Wars. It's just an awkward, like, 70s sci-fi thing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Leave in all the sound effects, but take out the music. I mean, I guess the sound effects are great, too. But you put the music in, and it's Star Wars. Period. Robin? I mean, if I had to pick, like, one moment, (laughs) since apparently I I can't choose music. uh, You could go music. music. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would agree with the music. And then the other moment that I think of is in A New Hope where Leia is giving the message to R2-D2, that iconic, like, help me, Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. Like, that whole part of that movie is definitely, like, anytime I see it, I'm like, yeah, Star Wars, this is fucking great. Like, there are definitely lots of iconic moments, but that's one of the moments that, to me, is very, like, stand out. Like, yes, this is Star Wars. This is great. And it really sets up, like, arguably the entire franchise because it's such an iconic moment. Yep. Agreed. There would be there would be no Star Wars without that moment, for sure. Lorelai, our wild card? <laughs> uh, well, I honestly didn't know what I was going to say to this question. I've been staring at it for a while because I can see Joey's notes. But <laughs> I think, like... That embarrasses me. I hate it when people look at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> well... I think, um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard because I'm not, like, the same level of Star Wars fan. So, like, my impressions of Star Wars very much are, like, what's sort of out there broadly in general pop culture. And I think Royce hit it on the head that, like, I actually, I, like, know, I knew how to play multiple Star Wars themes on multiple instruments, like, without having seen the movies. Like, I had maybe seen... A New Hope, and that was it. And, like, but, like, I played them for, like, various reasons, you know, on multiple (laughs) instruments. So, like, the music has way more of an impact outside of the movies, Mm. 
which and outside of like the fandom. That's like one of the only things that escapes outside of the fandom besides I am your father, right? Like those are the two That's things that one. get outside, yeah. you know. So I think like my connection to Star Wars is entirely based on those like little bits that get outside of the people who are like really involved in the universe. So, you know, the music and like that one storyline where like you find out the big bad is related to you. And like, that's probably, that's like something that like star Wars kind of, you know, invented in a way, like, you know, that was a big, it, at, when the movie came out, that was a big shock. That was like a big surprise. Yep. Right. And now like if somebody else were to do that in a movie, you'd be like, Oh, well you just copied star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Like when Ray finds out her grandfather is Palpatine. Yeah, it's like, oh, you just redid the Vader thing. Like, you hey, know. you copied Star Wars. <laughs> I know. So <laughs> I, I think know. we'll have a, another discussion about that. But um, yeah, I like I, I like what Lorelai and Robin are bringing up. That there's like quotes and like obviously you hear the music that's really easy to remember. But there are mm-hmm. those like I guess I didn't think about scenes when Joey mentioned this originally because music comes to mind for me. But help me, Obi Wan. You're my only hope. I am your father use the force like whatever may the force yeah. be with you yeah Always. may the force be yeah. with you is like you know there... nobody not everybody in the world cares about star wars but may the fourth and like everybody being like may the force be with you on the fourth of may is like mm-hmm. a thing that everybody participates in and like experiences as a cultural moment that mm. you know escapes outside the fandom yeah that is impressive what's your star wars moment joe yeah i don't Come on. I didn't think about my answer because I was thinking, just kidding, just kidding, everyone. Um, No, there's just so much. I mean, I will say, Royce, going off what you said, the music is just incredible. I mean, John Williams just knows how to do it. Just knows how to do it. Superman, Indiana Jones, Star Wars. When you hear that, you feel a thing. You feel a certain, like, unquantifiable thing. And when I was sitting in the theater at the premiere of The Rise of Skywalker... And that music started. The feeling I felt is indescribable. But I think the thing about Star Wars, like the the hook for me, is the idea of hope. It's the same with why I feel the way I feel about Superman. If you want to have a debate about why Superman, why I think Superman is the best and why I love him so much, we're going to discuss the idea of hope. And and. One way or another, Star Wars became that, just became the idea of, of hope and good, good hope triumphing over evil, right? And it became that thing. And that really just gets me. That just gets me. And in A New Hope, when Luke and Obi-Wan meet and they're talking and I fought with your father in the Clone Wars and it was like, my father wasn't a Jedi. And there's that moment of like the call to action to fight for good that's what's going to get me every time. And it's why I love Star Wars, and it's why I love Superman, and it's just why I'm going to like Star Wars no matter how much I don't like a particular moment in Star Wars. And I think that's incredibly well-defined in The High Republic. I was having a discussion on Twitter with one of our fans and listeners, Carl, about the first book of The High Republic, Light of the Jedi, and... He said that he couldn't get into it because it was a little bit slow to start. It was like four chapters before you met a Jedi. And I looked into it a bit more, and a lot of people have that reaction. But the first 
something that's incredible that happens in Light of the Jedi is connecting you with characters that aren't Jedi. Like, they take 10 pages to connect you to these characters that then, I don't want to spoil it, but then they're not characters anymore. And the emotional connection to that, I think, is just incredible. But then they build up this why you're fighting for good, why you're fighting for hope in that book. And the rest of the High Republic so far is just continuing that theme. And I just think it's incredible. And that's why I love Star Wars. And that's what just gets me and gets all of me. And that's it. That's my answer. Is it long enough for you? Acceptable. <laughs> okay, that's that's it. Royce, what do you got? Thank you for listening to the podcast to the end of the episode. Achievement boop, 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 boop. unlocked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you enjoyed this episode, this is a regular episode, but we also have mini episodes, which Joey is so romantically calling boring conversations anyway. They're just <laughs> mini episodes, though. They're not boring. So tune into that. You can check out uh, Joey and Robin talking about anticipation for Falcon in the Winter Soldier. Even though it's already out, you could see what they thought before it was out. It's kind of like a prequel to this episode. <laughs> Who doesn't like prequels? Robin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, nailed that. So thank you for listening to the end of this episode. Thank you for checking out the mini episode and every episode. We love you. And if you love us, then leave us a review on iTunes or I guess iTunes is really the only place. That <laughs> <laughs> turns out. But wherever you're tuning in from, if you could leave a comment or a review or some stars, we'd appreciate it. Hit us up on Twitter at Krypton Alderon or even Instagram. Joey's been posting a lot there too, at Krypton Alderon. Yep. Question mark. And if you want to send us an email, Krypton to Alderon at gmail.com. Get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. And that's the show. I have been Royce. I've been Robin. I've been Lorelai. And I've been Quilon Voss. And we've Let's roll. been <laughs> Krypton! Krypton!